Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we are going to give you a full guide on how to overcome objections. I know we've all been there, especially in 2023. You get someone on the line. Finally, you get them on the phone. You're about to start a deal, and then you hear those dreaded words, I have no budget. Well, how can you get over these objections and make sure you set yourself up for success? We are going to cover all of this and so much more. As always, I'd love to know where are you guys tuning in from. Throw it in the chat. I love to see some of these. Now, I'm already seeing Tracy here is from Canada. Welcome, Tracy. Great to have you here. We've got, you guys are blowing up this chat. Love it. Make sure your chat is set to everyone. So go ahead, do me a favor, click that blue button and switch it to everyone. A lot of you guys are in hosts and panelists and that way it gets hidden from the rest of uh, the audience. So make sure to switch it over to everyone so we can all see it. So uh, Justin here says he's from Antarctica. All right, Justin, I hope it's uh, not too chilly. <laughs> and we got Sergio here from Colombia. Welcome, Sergio. Great to have you here. Now, who is today's guest? We have a real treat for you all. Here we got Bisho Sham Shamsudusin. He is a outbound and prospecting coach over at outboundcoaching.de. Now, Bisho, when it comes to doing objections, what is one thing reps can do to improve their mindset? Perfect. So first of all, hi, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me. Hello to everyone in the chat. I see we have a very diverse uh, crowd today, which is really interesting. Um, I really like your question. What is one thing that reps can do in terms of mindset when it comes to handling objections? I think one thing, maybe just to look at the other side, a mistake that I see often is that when reps get an objection, they try to handle against the objection and they go against the prospect. But if you go with objection, with a mindset of an objection is a chance for me to find out more information and actually build a relationship, it takes a lot of pressure out of objection handling. Because the, the best way, I mean, objection handling starts with being just calm and, and collected. And if you approach it in a way that you're looking to find information and find a mutual situation, a mutual beneficial situation, you're just generally going to have better conversations. Your energy is going to be different, but going to be different. You're going to listen better and you're going to ask better questions. And when you go with objections with that mindset, you're not only going to have better results, but you're also going to make a great impression on your prospect, which is going to pay off during the rest of the sales cycle. Because maybe just one thing to remind everybody that today in 2023, sales is about a buying experience. So every touch point has to be on point. And every touch point pays off to the end goal, which is a signature on, on DocuSign or on a piece of paper. You know, that's the end goal at the end of the day. We're not gonna lie about it. That is the end goal. And every touch point pays off. And at the first touch point, which is we're talking about cold calls and objection handling and cold calls, or even later, find a mutual situation. Be curious, listen, mirror, label, and ask good questions. And you're going to have better results. Yeah. Love it. 
I like how you said you got a mirror, ask better questions. And you know what? We're going to give you guys the blueprint to how to do that here very shortly. But before we get into it, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we are here to help with our daily sales show. Yes, guys, we do this daily and we give you access to instant resources and trainings. Go ahead and check us out at sellbetter.xyz or you can scan the QR code right here on your screen and see what we're all about. Now, we wouldn't be able to do this without our partners. So big shout out to Clary, Outplay, Vidyard, and Zoom Info. If you guys don't know, Clary is one of the best ways to find predictable revenue. Outplay is one of the best ways you can reach out to your prospects and make sure you get in front of them correctly. Vidyard is the best for video prospecting, so be sure to check them out. And Zoom Info, when you just need to know the email addresses and numbers of those prospects, Zoom Info has your back. Now, the drop of the day, wouldn't be here without it. It is Excel Events. They're doing a fast forward virtual summit. Be sure to check it out. It is gonna be tomorrow, June 21st, and it has some incredible speakers in there. It's free to attend, check it out, and you're gonna get so much value from both sales and marketing. So don't miss out, click that link in the chat. So what are we gonna be covering on today? But before I get into that, I wanna know who is in the room? Do we have BDRs, SDRs, AEs, frontline managers, or maybe some senior leadership? Guys, this helps tailor the conversation. So please let me know who's in the room and we can ask those right questions that are tailored to our audience. So what are we gonna be covering? We're gonna be speaking on how to prepare for those objections before they arise. The six most common objections I know you've heard, so we're going to show you how to get over them. And lastly, how to ensure that each objection is just done. You got that late stage in the deal. How do you make sure no more objections are going to arise? We're going to give you that and a lot more. Now, I'm seeing here a lot of SDRs are currently in the room, about 32% AEs as well. B-Show, does this surprise you at all? Not really. I think in 2023, uh, you know, AEs, I believe, have to be very good at prospecting you know this the, the the landscape is changing a lot in sales and uh, account executives who are really good at prospecting and really good at handling objections are the best account executives that's a fact so i'm not surprised at all it's actually really good yeah i'm also seeing a lot of uh customer success managers here uh csms are blowing up the chat welcome i can definitely see objection handling helping when it comes to being a csm so let's get right into it how do you prepare for these objections? Be sure you had three great points in the pre-call and you said practice and role play. You got to know your market. And lastly, make sure that you can be calm and think outside the box. So can you break these down for me? Sure. So the first one is practice and role play, uh, role playing objections. Um, I mean, maybe just a quick story from my background. I started sales as a fundraiser where I used to approach 200 people every day on the street selling memberships for NGOs. And uh, we used to travel a lot. We used to be on the road a lot. And we had new teammates every single week going on and off. And we used to practice every single week, twice a week consistently. Even the most experienced fundraisers, it was obligatory. It was not a choice. We had to practice. And it was a really good system. And if it wasn't for that practice, neither the new ones nor the, the the veterans would have gotten well and then and the new fundraisers always learn from the veterans this is one example the other example is i originally played a lot of sports when i was growing up basketball and tennis and if you probably guys know 
I mean, w w a lot of people are in the States, you know, Steph Curry, best shooter of all time. He shoots 500 threes a day without defense, without defense, you know, and that what makes him great. He's not great because he's obviously he's very talented, but without the practice, he would never be great. And the best salespeople I know, they practice twice a week, maybe even three times a week with their team. They sit down and they do role plays either with their manager, with their teammates. Some, some of them even have external coaches and they practice and they train with no defense, with no pressure. And the ones who are really good at practice are the ones that actually end up being really good at actually talking with, with customers. And it's a really simple formula to follow. So it's not really hard to understand that practice makes perfect. So um, yeah, just go for it, practice. And if you're a manager and you still don't have any time uh, implemented on a weekly basis, make sure you plan that hour or two hours as a recurring event on your calendar with your team. And trust me, it's going to pay off. It is going to pay off. Don't be, don't get too consumed by, I don't want to waste my reps time or stuff like that, because those two hours are a great investment in your team. It's a great point out. And one of the best ways is to literally just approach one of your colleagues. Maybe he's the person here. She is the best one doing the greatest right now on your team. Yeah. Approach him, come up with a list of objections and say, hey, I've got three, these three objections. Can we role play right now? How do you handle them? And you'll yeah. see how this person does it and you start gaining that knowledge yourself. It's such a good piece of advice. Now, another one that you mentioned was you want to have a detailed knowledge of the market. And when you say that, how does that help you when it comes to objections? Well, that is mostly for me when it comes to the objection of um, we have another competitor or we're working with a different solution. Because if we're going to get to that, that's obviously one of the objections that we're going to handle. But being knowledgeable in the market that when a prospect mentions that they're working with a different solution or they're even looking into a different solution, being able to have a conversation with the prospect about the market and about other solutions and showing that you're an expert just builds a lot of trust because nowadays sales is a combination of selling present presenting the right solution but also consulting you know and consulting comes from understanding and the best consultants they understand the market they know the glitches in the market they know what's working they know what's not working they can break down competitors for you and tell you, hmm, I know from my experience that people who are using this solution usually struggle with this and that. How do you, how familiar does that sound to you? And those sales reps that can show their expertise about the market and actually give prospects insights that maybe they didn't even know about are the ones that end up winning because they create so much trust and they create a buying experience where the prospect actually learns something new. And if you can do that, if you can teach something about the market to the prospect that they did not know, they're not only going to be thankful for you, but they will gladly give you their money. So true. So true. And I already see Katie here in the chat saying yes to consultative point of view and market expertise. Everyone, I want to hear from you. Put a one in the chat if having direct knowledge of your market has helped you in objections. I know it has myself. And put a two if it hasn't yet. But maybe you want to do some more research and, and figure that out. <laughs> Look at the, all these ones in the chat. Love to see you guys blowing this up. It is very true. Knowing your market can help you just have more tools in your toolkit when it comes to navigating that conversation. You get hit with the objection. Now you know what which way you can take it because of your knowledge. 
Now let's cover this last point here. You said, think about what makes you a calm person outside of sales. Why do you need to focus on being calm? Um, so again, let's, let's just take a step back and look at the other side. I see a lot of times that when sales rep, they, when they get objections, they get all nervous, they lose their pace. Uh, they start rambling about things and they just start saying on just nonsense, you know, and they lose their cool basically. And what happens when that happens is that the dynamic between the prospect and the sales rep changes, becomes like this. And that's not an eye to eye. If you're not seeing eye to eye with the prospect, there's no trust. When there's no trust, there's no respect. And if there's no respect, nobody's going to sign a contract. That is the reality, the, the underlying psychological reality of sales. Things have to be eye on eye. You know, if it's not eye on eye, it's not going to work out. So what happens is when the, when an objection comes and the dynamic goes like this and the prospect feels like mm, I got this person out of their, their, their calmness and this is not even a conscious thing. It's not like the prospect is going to be psychologically analyzing the sales rep. It's just a subconscious reaction, a feeling, an emotional reaction that the prospect is going to get that's just going to turn them off and be like, I don't feel good about this. They're just not going to, they're going to feel something is off, you know? So what I tell sales reps is, who are you outside of sales? What are you doing outside of sales to just generally be a calm person that when a stressful situation happens because objections are, you know, perceived by so many people as a stressful situation in, the, in sales, which shouldn't be really, if you approach it with a consultative open mindset. But if you are, what are you doing outside of sales that whatever situation happens in your life, whether it's in sales or even outside of sales, you're calm when a stressful situation happens. What do, what do I mean by that? When we talk about more practice now, how, how does your morning routine look like? How does your night routine look like? Do you plan your day correctly? Do you take enough breaks? Are you taking care of your body? Are you exercising? Are you eating healthy? Um, I'm a huge fan of breath work. I implement breath work in all my coachings. And I love working on breathwork with people because I believe it is it has been a game changer for me. And I believe that people that do it on a daily basis just generally become calm people. You know, obviously you cannot just go from zero to hundred in one day and change all your habits and just become this idealistic person uh who's just doing everything. It's impossible. Like even sometimes I'm I miss to do something or I mess up my night routine because something happens. I'm human and these things happen, you know. But implementing healthy habits day by day by day and being consistent with it and actually enjoying those habits will change who you are as a person. It's going to change your personality. And when that happens, you will generally become a calm person. And calmness will not just be a mask that we are putting because a lot of people can fake calmness for a certain period of time during sales. But then after the call, they're like, Oh my God, <laughs> that was really hard. You know, whether the re whether real salespeople, when the call is ending, they're like, they're still on the same level because that's just who they are. So what are you doing on a daily basis? Just feel great, feel happy, practice gratitude, you know, just be happy with life, whatever happens, that your stress is not really related with an objection or, or, a, or a deal closing or not, but rather just, <laughs> You are who you are. You know, 
you strike a really good point there. And it's something I don't think is touched on enough when it comes to sales topics. And it's what is going on outside of sales that is allowing you to actually find your center. Where can you anchor yourself in these habits that allow you to become better at objection handling? Now, this reminds me, I want to know from my audience, how confident do you guys feel in objection handling. We got a question here for you all. Are you guys extremely confident? You know your center, you're calm, you're cool, collected. Are you somewhat confident, kind of all over the place, you know, maybe, but at times when the time going gets tough, you're on it. Or are you just not confident at all? Which a lot of us have been in that boat and it just takes time and a lot of effort to get to a better place. So I would love to hear from you all. Let's see where you guys are at so I can understand where we can take this conversation. Now, Bisho, I think we should just get right into the main objections here. So one of the main ones that we had and one of them that I'm seeing already in the Q&A is I'm not interested. This is so common. <laughs> Probably as soon as you pick up the phone that you get the person selling you this. How can you get over this objection? Um, well, there's there's two things here. The first thing is which part of the of the cold call I'm getting that objection because that defines if there's context or there's no context. So if I'm getting this right at the beginning, if I just say, for example, after the after the uh, the opener, because my opener is basically I like to say, hey, we don't know each other. I'm actually a salesperson. Would you give me their second side so until I'm calling? Um, most of the time I get a giggle and yeah, sure. What's up? Um, but a lot of sales reps, they even get that directly after the opener. They don't even get the chance to talk about what they're selling. And the prospect is directly saying, I'm not interested, which basically means that's not really an objection. It's an excuse. Mm. And the interesting thing I wanted to mention something is although Germany so I'm from Germany, I live in Germany. Also, Germany is not as ahead of the States or maybe the UK in terms of sales. But in German, there are two words for the word objection. So in English, there's only objection. In German, there's two words, which is Vorwand und Einwand. Und Einwand means objection and Vorwand means before the wall, which means the objection behind the objection. And this is really interesting because German is a very specific language and I love this about it. So when you hear I'm not interested at the beginning of the call, that's not an objection. That's an excuse. That excuse to not want to speak with you. So there's two things here. The first thing is you either really messed up the, the opener and they did not like it and they didn't feel you or your energy is off. And they're like, I don't want to talk to this person. I'm not interested. Whatever they want to sell, I don't want to because they just didn't like the first impression. That's a very important thing to look at, you know? Is your energy well? At the, are you are you delivering the opener with a confident yet friendly and warm energy? If you're doing that, people are going to get really intrigued and they're going to want to listen to you. But if you're not doing that the right way, people are just going to be like, I don't want to talk to this person. I'm not feeling that person. So that is one reason why that objection might happen. So it's just for us to understand the background of this. Now, if 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 I was to get this at the beginning of the call, I would say, hey, listen, I'll just repeat the opener. I'll say, listen, I know we haven't spoken before, but just give me 30 seconds. If this is not interesting for you, I didn't even tell you what this is about. You can hang up. I'll give them a way out, but I'll just push a little bit. But here, you know, certainty is very important. Speaking in, with a certain 
tonality and confidence and smiling. You know, I always tell people, smile during your opening, smile during the first 30 seconds, because you want to evoke a good feeling with the person you're speaking to. If you don't evoke a great feeling with all, within the first 30 seconds of a cold call, you're going to get, I'm not interested. And that is not objection. That's just you messing up the open. That's so true. Yes, very true. And, and you said speak direct and confident. You guys have, it's a great point out. If you smile during your call, you ever wonder why I like to smile even when I'm presenting? Is <laughs> because it changes the way you sound and it changes the way you feel. So on the phone, your prospect, believe it or not, can feel that smile, can feel that energy coming through the phone and be able to reciprocate it back at you in a positive way. And And Tracy just said, can you... Can you show us an example of what being confident and having energy sounds like? Should we, can, can I just go for my opener and show you how? Definitely. So let's say we just start off right here. Ring, ring. Yeah, ring. just answer the phone. Hello? Hi, this is Bisho. Am I speaking with Adrian? Yes, this is him. Perfect. Um, Adrian, listen, I want to be totally honest with you. I'm actually a salesperson. Would you like to hang up or would you give me 30 seconds so I can tell you why I'm called? I wasn't expecting a call, so yeah, that's that, that's basically it. Just smiling, positive body language, and just just being yourself, you know. But smiling plays a really huge part there. Yeah. I love that, and, and, and you make a good point there. Yeah, and let's continue now. If I get the, if I actually end, end up pitching and I talk about my solution, and at the end they say, "Thanks, I'm not interested," you know. Now, now this is a different situation because now there's context. So again, that I'm not interested is in is not really the objection. It, there's something behind it. You know? So here, I like to play a game called X and Y with the prospect. So I try to under. So my goal here is to understand why they're not interested. Mm. So instead of saying why are you not interested, that's a horrible question, you know. Or what makes you not interested? That's a horrible question. That's not really, that's not, that's not really a good question to ask. What I like to do is I like to say, hey, okay, interesting. Is it because, is it because um, this topic is not something on your agenda right now? Or is it because you're already using a solution? Now, the beautiful thing about this question is people love correcting people. That's the fact. <laughs> people, especially prospects, they love collect, cor correcting salespeople. So if it's neither X or Y, they're going to say, no, no, it's neither or not. It's because of this. And now you're going to get to the actual objection. And now you can actually handle the objection. You see? So when you hear, I'm not interested, try to figure out why by asking an X or Y question. A lot of times it's one of the two. It's either because they're already using a solution or because this topic is not interesting for them and they not really have a, a problem that they want to solve. You know, they might tell you, no, but this is not really a problem that we're having right now. Okay. Yeah. Can you give an example of X or Y? I just did that. Is it because you're already using a solution and you don't really have that problem? Or is this just not a topic that is on your agenda right now? It's not a priority for you. And then they're going to tell you where, you where they actually is, where they actually are. And if the dynamic of the call is good and you have a good energy in the call, they're going to be honest with you. you know, Very true. And, you know, you mentioned that People love correcting others, even on the phone. It's just easy to do. And it's like a trigger in your mind. You're like, wait, no, that's not, it's this. 
So really use that to your exa- uh, your advantage, everyone. Use the X or Y, but be cognizant if it's happening is that I'm not interested in happening later in the conversation or early in the conversation because that could be difference between it's my opener or it's an X or Y situation. Now I'm cognizant of time here myself. So I want to cover one of the biggest objections that we have and people are getting today in 2023. And that's, I have no budget. We have no budget. I don't know what to do here because, well, we have no budget. I can't even spend money on this even if I wanted to. Bisho, what would you say to this? So there's something that I that I forgot to mention in the first objection, which is, by the way, for everybody listening, this is for me a general rule with all objections. The moment you hear an objection, I like to implement something the three seconds rule, which just basically means I don't say anything for the first three seconds. I build a little bit of tension to create some to create some confidence, and so I can gather myself and not get too quick. This is a really good technique if you feel not confident or you feel a little bit thrown off by objections. Every time you hear an objection, they say we have no budget. Okay. So I just take like a breath and I say, okay, like I'm thinking. It creates a healthy tension and it creates, it shows a lot of confidence, you know. So we have no budget. Again, what we said at the end of the beginning of the call is approach objections with an open mindset and a curious mindset. So we have a we have no objection can can either mean that they already like, you know, bought a solution and they don't have no money to spend on, you know, or they just have, don't have no budget right now and uh, they don't have a planning. Uh, usually there are planning cycles for departments and the planning cycle is happening soon and they already gave out their 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 budget and I would again ask an X or Y question, you know. I would say, hey, is it because like you already bought another tool with your budget this year or is your uh, budget planning happening later on this year and you still did not get any budget on the table? And then they're going to explain to you the actual situation when it comes to their budget. You know? And there you just have to listen very well because usually if they're telling you we have no budget, that's not really a high quality lead for me. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to really force them to book a meeting right now, they're probably going to be like, yeah, well, I'm going to do a discovery call potentially with them and maybe even a demo, but it won't close until maybe in six, seven months. So in six, seven months, we're probably going to have to do a new discovery because a lot of things are going to change in two quarters. The problems might change. Uh, People might leave, you know, leadership might change. So I would want to understand a timeline on this, on where they are actually standing. And then see if they say, yeah, well, we're going to start planning budget in three months. Then I might say, hey, would you, would you be opposed to putting something on the calendar in maybe two months so we can start looking into this while you're planning your plan, your budget? If they say, well, today is June, we actually start planning in, in December, I'm not going to put a ca- calendar invite for November. You know, it's just too far off. I'm just going to say, hey, would you mind me? Would you be opposed to me? contacting you maybe mid-October, November, just for us to reignite the conversation. Again, if you had a good conversation before and you had a good energy and you had a good dynamic and you had a great conversation and you asked a lot of questions and you were knowledgeable, they're going to they're gonna be more than happy to share the information with you about their budget situation and allow you to call them when the planning is actually taking place 
so you can you know discover the opportunity of working now so again, I just approach it with an open mindset you made a really good point here about understanding what quality the prospect is so if they have no budget and they're really forcing it on you is it really worth doing a discovery and going further down the sales cycle if this person is just going to give you the i have no budget and i was pretty firm on that in the beginning so you need to know when to kind of weed out the ones who are just not going to turn into anything in the first place and stick with the ones that are higher quality and maybe it's not that they don't have a budget it's just that their budget planning is coming in a few couple months right a couple months a few months whatever it may be and like Bisho said, you can set some time on the calendar and prepare yourself for that. Now, I want to know from our audience, which objection are you guys encountering the most? Is it, I have no budget? Maybe it's the, I'm not interested. Or are you getting the classic, I'm using a competitor? Which is always a painful one to hear, but we're going to cover how to get over that. And lastly, if you don't see one of these, just let us know in the chat. We'd love to see them from you all. Now, Let's cover the one that we just mentioned, which is we are already using a competitor. How do you go about that? I know it's always a tough thing to hear. Do you just pull back from the conversation or is there a way around this? So again, first of all, three seconds rule. First of all, I'm okay. Thanks for sharing. Now there's, um, there's two situations here. The first situation is if I am in a market where it's not really a very big market and I'm very knowledgeable about the market. I'm very knowledgeable about my competitors. Uh, I know my battle cards very, very well. If you don't know what a battle card is, a lot of companies have like uh, pages with battle cards and each battle card has a competitor with their uh, advantages and disadvantages. So, or if you're, for example, in a market where you have one uh, competitor that is like 70% of the market, which is like, for example, CRM solutions, you have like Salesforce and HubSpot, which are like the biggest two. And then you have a couple of ones after, and you know, a lot of times you're going to hear Salesforce or HubSpot, you know? So if you were to tell me a solution, so the first thing I would do, I would ask you, would you, if I'm very knowledgeable about the market, I would ask you, would you mind sharing which, uh, which competitor are you using or which solution are you using? Again, if the energy of the call is good and they like you, they're going to be more than happy to share the, the information with you. Again, it comes really, it comes down to energy. Um, and then if they say a competitor and you know that competitor and you know what's good and what's not good about the competitor and you know that you do something better than that competitor, here's what I would say. You say, hey, we're using competitor X. And I say, Thanks for sharing. Um, listen, Adrian, from my experience with the market, I know that other companies like you who are also using Competitor X usually tell me that they struggle with one, two, and three. How familiar does that sound to you? So I don't tell him you have that problem. I tell them I hear from other people that this is a topic right now for most people using solution X. How familiar does that sound to you? So they either say, yeah, that sounds familiar, or they say, yeah, it does sound familiar, but it's not really an important aspect of our of working with that solution. So it's not really a huge problem for us. If that's the case, then they're probably really happy with the solution. And then I would go into step two, which I will get to in a second. But if they're telling me, 
yeah, that actually does sound familiar. I would directly go and handle the objection and say, if I told you that we can actually help you tackle these problems by doing one, two, and three with our solution, so you can achieve X and Y, how interesting would that be? So I basically figured out his current situation with his current solution and what problems they might be facing or he might be facing. And I solved that for them. Mm. But first I had to check if those problems are actually problems that they are, you know, struggling with. Because the because sometimes you have a solution that might have problems, but that's not the aspect of the solution that's really the most important part for you. So you're like, ah, I, I'm I'm good with that. I'd rather keep these because there's not that's not such a huge pain than the pain of actually changing my CRM, for example, which is a huge migration project. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is the first the first thing. The second solution is um, if I'm not very knowledgeable with the market or I'm in a very, very huge market. Like for example, for me as a sales coach, oh my God, like there's so many, there are so many sales, it's impossible to know what every sales coach is doing. It's just impossible, you know? So the way to do it, even if it's a software, whatever solution you're selling, that really doesn't matter. What I like to do is three seconds rule. And then I say, so if you mind sharing, how happy are you with your current solution on a scale from one to 10? Now, the reason I don't say, are you satisfied with your solution or how satisfied are you with your solution? Because those two questions are just going to get you, yeah, 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 we're satisfied. Mm. Yeah, 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 we're good, we're good, just, we're good, you know? Because it's that, that's just human nature, you know? But the scale question is a very easy to answer question that prospects are going to answer out of their gut feeling. It's almost like they're giving you their location just on a gut feeling. But the answer is not on a number. The answer is in the tonality. Because Adrian, you might ask me that question and I might say, it's an eight. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty confident there. Or you, or you might ask me that question. I might say, ah, it's a seven and a half or an eight. Mm. <laughs> What's the difference fishy. there? <laughs> I'm thinking fishy. You're, you're now telling me, you, you, you know, this is also human nature. We like to cover up our mistakes. We like to cover up these kind of things, which is totally fine. It's not a judgment. It's just a human nature. And that's totally acceptable. So if I was to hear a number that is either, there's a combination between the right number, you know, an eight, seven, anything until eight, and the right tonality, which is a not very confident tonality, I would ask up a following question because now I kind of, I kind of, I kind of nailed them or like, okay, I know where you are right now. You know, now I can actually go from gut feeling to fact, to facts and to details and to the rational facts behind it. And then I would ask a question. I was like, what, so what needs to happen for your solution to become a nine or a 10? So now I'm taking it from where they are right now to what needs to happen for it, for it to become really, really good and to fulfill all their needs. And then whatever they tell me, now I need to be very honest with my myself and ask myself, can I actually provide that? What they are missing? If the answer is yes, I can provide that, then I would go into, I would start selling now. You know, I would go into selling and I would say, if I told you that we've helped other companies exactly achieve one, two, and three, how interesting would that be? 
Yeah, that'll be interesting. Okay, then how about we set up a call when, 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 and we speak about it and then you can close the call. I always like to test for interest first before, before I close the call, especially when handling objections. It's a little bit of a different situation. But yeah, it's a combination of, you know, uh, location. Where is their location, their GPS? You know, on a scale from one to 10, how happy are they? And then what needs to happen for it to become a, a 10? If they tell me, if they tell me it's a 10, I would, I would then use a technique by Chris Voth called labeling. And I would say, it sounds like there is nothing you would want to change about your current setup. If they say, yep, nothing I can change. All right. Nice speaking to you. Have a nice day. <laughs> sounds good. Or they might say, yeah, well, it's not 100% perfect. We would actually want this and that. Hmm. Okay. And then you can take it further and do the exact same step. This is great. And one of the best ways to really get over the hump of what you can do if they already say we are already using a competitor. Everyone keep this in mind. Put a one in the chat if you can see yourself using this, the one to 10 method and just asking, labeling, you know, how is it that you're feeling with this? If it's a seven. Why is it a seven? What does it feel? And then just walking away if you need to. That is so important. I think that's one of the biggest ones. You got to walk away when the timing is just not right. Now, I'm already seeing tons of ones here in the chat. So this is really hitting home. Now, I want to be cognizant of time here because we have some great questions in the Q&A. So I want to ask you one more question, Bisho. How can you make sure that the objections are kind of over with? Like, so that future, later in the sales cycle, you're not going to encounter that last minute objection that just derails the conversation. How can you set yourself up for success in this call? So usually just to differentiate between objections on a cold call and objections that happen later during the sales cycle. So objections that happen on a cold call are not, are usually just objections to book a meeting. They're objections to start a conversation, not an objection to buy. So there's a different dynamic here. So just because you handled objections on a cold call doesn't mean you won't get objections later because the objections you're going to get later are going to be completely different kind of objections. You know, then what you're going to, what you get on a cold call. So the goal of a cold call is not to close the sale. The goal of a cold call is to create value for the prospect by showing expertise and showing that you understand their problems and creating enough curiosity to motivate them to want to move. Yeah. That is real value. If I can motivate you to change, then I added value to you. Not even if not even motivated, if I motivated you to think about changing or to think about solution, a new solution, that is value in itself. It's emotional value, but it is value, right? So if I can, so for me to create that value during the cold call and handle these objections so I can book a meeting then I need to say, okay, well, just because I handled objections on a cold call doesn't mean I'm not going to get more objections later. And the best way later to um, avoid objections down the road is to be really good at discovery. You know, your discovery process has to be on point. You know, if you can find out everything you need to find out during discovery, while, because again, sales is changing. And I believe discovery nowadays, you have to also be consultative and give insights. So share insights with the prospect about the market, about how the market is changing, but also ask all the right questions that make sure that you don't get things like, 
I don't have budget, that you don't get things like it's not the right timing, that you don't get things like, uh, well, I'm not sure if my CEO is going to agree to this. You know, all these things are stuff that you have to cover in your discovery. You have to make sure your discovery is on point. Because if your discovery is on point, then you're just going to be guiding the prospect to the sale. To the sale. Because you know exactly the right situation, you know. But again, it comes down to energy and the way you build up that relationship. If they like you, I mean, they have to not, it's, <laughs> they have to like you, but they also have to trust you. You know, it's both. You know, they have to like you, but they have to trust you. And that is really important. So just be really good at discovery. And if you don't feel like you're, you're really good at discovery, again, find somebody who's really good at discovery. Find somebody who doesn't get a lot of objections or just get a really good trainer. There's a lot of ones, good ones out there. You know, okay. I personally don't coach discovery. I mostly coach obje- uh, prospecting, just to be very clear on that. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of really great trainers out there that can show you how to be amazing at discovery. And discovery is, this is where the sale happens. It's very true. Discovery is where the sale happens. Everyone keep that in mind, write it down, because it is speaking truth. Now, before we go in, I want to be cognizant of time here. So where can the people find you, Bishop? If they wanted to connect with you, if they wanted to see what you're all about, where can they find you? So the best way to connect with me is uh, through LinkedIn. You can you can see my name is Bishop Shamsuddin. You're probably going to have to copy paste it because it's a long Arabic name. <laughs> so just connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah, the link was just uh, shared in, uh, in, in the chat. And if you want to check out our website, I'm going to write... Uh, I work right there sdrcoaching.com it's just the shorter the shorter one um just connect with us on our website if you need to speak with us and connect with me on linkedin i share co- uh, constant content about prospecting and called outreach so uh, i'd be more than happy to add value to you and to your result in any way i can through my content and reach out to me don't be a stranger. Right. love it so let's get right into the Q&A here. Tracy asks, are there any exercises that we can do daily to train ourselves to remain calm in stressful or triggering situations? I barely have drama in my life that I can practice on. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so so there's, this, there's a very important thing that not everything works for everybody, right? Different things work for different people, different personalities. And I've tried everything until I found out the routine that works perfectly for me. But here are a couple of things that I know can work for some people. You just have to try it. The first thing is um, it starts again with your morning routine. I always tell people, wake up early. You know, I like to wake up pretty early just to feel like I have a longer time during the day. Because if I wake up and I rush into work, I'm already in a fight or flight situation, you know? So I like to start my day very calmly. I like to wake up and meditate. And this is what I, I, you, I highly advise this to everybody. Wake up and do a meditation, you know, maybe get the calm up or headspace or um, look into, there's a, um, something called on YouTube, Brain Heart Harmony which is one of my favorite uh, breathwork exercises. It has been a game changer for me. Um, so just, you know, have a great morning routine. Also implement breathwork during the day, during uh, your lunch break, after you have lunch, before you sleep. You know, if you sleep well, you're going to feel well in the morning. 
it's a fact. Sleep well, you're gonna sleep well in the morning. So don't, uh, I, I always tell people, don't look at your phone the first hour in the morning. Don't have any screens open the last hour in the, in the day. Close screens in the last hour, you know, meditate or read before you sleep. Meditate or read, you know. Um, in the morning, if you want exercise, and I always tell people exercise is amazing because it builds up a lot of dopamine, a lot of endorphins and serotonin. And if you're doing that on a consistent basis, three, four times a week, that's going to become a part of your system. You know, it's not about, it's not about a thing that you do once, you know, becoming that person is a thing that takes months and years. You know, I've been working, I've been perfecting my daily routine for years now until I at a point now where I have a very consistent routine that I actually enjoy and I don't feel bound to it. I don't feel like it. I'm, I don't feel like I'm in a prison because of my routine because I can actually get off my routine when I want because I know I can get back to it or I know how to move things around. But this took a lot of time, you know. So this, for example, um, also, you know, just take care of your body, take care of your health, take care of your diet, you know. Drink a lot of water, drink a lot of, I was drinking lemon water before. <laughs> and all these things do come back and they play a lot of dividends. So if you're looking for something to adopt into your routine, these are the things that you should be looking into and they do help you when it comes to objections. Well, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much, Bisho. Thank you to everyone in the audience who has engaged with us. Hope this really helped for you. Be sure to fill out our NPS story that will be happening as soon as this is over. So thank you so much for attending and we will catch you all on the next one. See you later.